I'd like to continue our teaching series on um, the I Am statements of Jesus. We actually have been focusing last, uh, last Sunday and then on Christmas Eve about Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. And we talked about Jesus being a different way. We talked about uh, Jesus being a bumpy way. Have you noticed that? He didn't take the bumps off the road since you come to, to him. And we talked about Jesus being a joyful way, supernatural joy. And today I want to talk with you about Jesus being a busy way. The way to Bethlehem, the way to the house of bread, Jesus Christ is a busy way. One thing I noticed about as we approached the December 24, December 25, things seem to get busier and busier. Do you notice that? What normally would take me 20 minutes to drive from our house to, to White City to John and Megan, our son's family's home, what normally takes 20 minutes took me 40 minutes just in the traffic. And I noticed that the calendar and the demands and the responsibilities with family, with church life, with, with just uh, all that's happening right before Christmas with extra service and all, boy, it just kind of all jammed up at the end, doesn't it? Feels really busy. Well, you know, when you look at the Christmas stories, they're full of all kinds of stuff. It's a busy experience for everybody that was involved. I mean, you think about it, there was quite a bit of intensity with the fulfillment of Scripture, prophetic Scripture about Jesus, and angel visits, and a, a, a supernatural star guiding them, and a a, uh, a uh, king that was a sociopath just going off the deep end. And the uh, whole experience of, of uh, all of Jerusalem being troubled. And then the shepherds seeing Jesus and spreading the wonderful news about him. And the, and the magi seeing him and worshiping him and, and giving him offerings. And the whole experience of trying to find a place for Joseph thinking my, my dear wife's about to give birth and, and I'm a, I've never been a dad before and here we are and I'm responsible for being a dad not only to a new son but he's actually God's son. I gotta take his, this is rather intense and, they're not, and I don't even have a place to bring, have my wife. I wonder if God's gonna be angry with me that I didn't take better care of his, of his uh little son here, you know, I mean, he at least deserves a holiday in or something, you know, but we don't even get the, I think of even Joseph's having his family there in Bethlehem, and not, in, not one member of his family stepped up and said, hey, you guys can stay with us, you know, it's just like there was just simply, everything was busy, and a bit crazy, but busy with really wonderful stuff, do you guys have some wonderful moments in the days of Christmas? Do you have some memorable moments? Do you have some meaningful moments? Do you have some deep moments? Happy moments with family, with God, with the interacting with the promise of Christ? Did the Holy Spirit bless you, speak to you? you have some good times? Did anybody have any stress moments? A few, few of us did. I mean, here we are in our family just opening presents yesterday with the kids, and it's all rowdy and happy and 
fun, and, and all of a sudden, uh, little Chloe, um, Donna Megan's youngest daughter, I think, what, is she a year and a half, something like that, not quite two, she's on the floor in her face. She was having a seizure. Yeah. Lips turned blue. Eyes rolled back. Our joy turned into quite a high level of anxiety, every single one of us. And need to call an ambulance. That whole process. She, I'm happy to say, I know you're waiting for the punchline on this. <laughs> she's, she's okay. They did all the tests. They just, they think it was just simply triggered by the level of, of uh, family all together in one place. And she might be a bit of an uh, introvert or something. I know introverts have more, by nature, have less. Um, I mean, extroverts get energy from being with people, and introverts lose energy <laughs> by being with people, and they need more, a little more elbow room. I don't know what, what all that's involved with that, but I do know that we're really grateful today because yesterday, for a few moments, it, Christmas was interrupted by... But, but yet, you know what? Isn't it true that that's what life is like? It's filled with high points and, and, and filled with sometimes surprise moments of stress, right? And it's a busy way. And uh, I want to read uh, Matthew 2, verse 1 through 6, and then make a few comments as, about the busyness of the way in terms of application to our lives. Matthew 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of King Herod, Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem was codependent with him. Mickelson translation. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, For thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who who will shepherd my people Israel. Prophetic about Jesus coming. My first talking point, I have two this time. The first talking point is the way or the road to Bethlehem is is not just a different way, not just a bumpy way, not just a joyful way. But the road or the way to Bethlehem is a busy way with a strategic, long-range plan. Would you agree with me that it's pretty easy to read the Christmas stories and not feel the anxiety of the moment with those guys because we know how it ends, right? And I was watching the, we know it ends great, right? The, The wise men get through it. The shepherd gets through it. Joseph gets through it. Mary gets through it. Jesus is born. Hallelujah. The Savior's here. And it wasn't the same for them going through it because they didn't know how exactly it was going to... They knew it was going to turn out because God's involved, but the the chapters and the paragraphs of the story hadn't been written yet except in God's heart and mind. But... There was a, uh, a long-range plan that God had 
I'm, I uh, watched uh, Mr. Magoo's A Christmas Carol <laughs> with my vintage 1962 with, uh, with some of my grandsons. And they were anxious about, you know, what was going on with poor Mr. Scrooge. And I had to tell them, it turns out okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay in the end. And it is important that we know that in life, our lives, it's going to be okay in the end. I know Stephen Covey wrote a book some years ago called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And one of the seven habits of highly effective people through his research was that they keep the end in mind. And we're, we're looking towards the end. God has an end game for the road to Bethlehem. It's Bethlehem, the house of bread. Oh, there's baby girl in the hospital. And Chloe, she went home this morning. Happy. Yeah, thank you, Jesus, for that she turned out, turned out okay, Lord. Amen. So, application. Even though with the Magi, shepherds, Joseph, Mary, everybody involved, there was at times turbulent, bumpy. There was also these amazing high points in the busyness of their Christmas. There was a goal in mind that God had. God has a goal in mind for you and for me. And it's a strategic plan for, each, for every single one of us. And it's a plan marked by success. Are you, are you taking seriously Psalm 1 where it says, everything you do is prospering because you are planted by rivers of water, who is Jesus? Is that an important Bible verse for you? I hope it is. Because God's plan for you, God is... For you, we sing that song. He is for you. He is for you. He is for you. He is for you. And anytime some circumstances seem to shout at you, God is not for you, that promise is busting right through that and breaking it apart and, and neutralizing that doubt, that temptation to doubt. Because God is so for you. He who did not spare his only son, will he not freely give you all things? And of course he doesn't respond to a the lust of our heart that way. He's talking, about, he's talking about what's good and what we really want. If you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. And that means not only will he give you the end result of your desires, you want to be a blessing to people? Yeah, I really want to. Yeah, you, you will be a blessing to people. But he also gives you that desire to want to be a blessing to people. He will give you the desires of your heart the, the motivations in the heart of Jesus are now in you by the Spirit of Jesus in your heart. Hallelujah. This is something that, that, uh, that God's doing in your life. And I, I, know the, I know that there are high points, but there's also the bumpy road points. And I've, I was thinking recently about rather bumpy Christmas I had some years ago at another church in a distant land. <laughs> and we were, 
we were going to have a Christmas dinner, our very first Christmas dinner at Philadelphia Church in Hammond, Oregon. I don't know if you guys were part of this. You may remember this or not, but we were going to have a Christmas dinner. And we had a pretty cool youth group going on. I, the thought just struck me, why don't we have the youth group put on a little Christmas play, you know, just simple, 10, 15 minutes play, that, so we could call it a dinner, Christmas dinner theater that people can invite their friends to. So I just had a certain number in mind that would probably come. We didn't do any RSVP or anything like that. It was just going to be, you know, a few friends. Maybe half the church would show up, and they would, maybe half of those would bring some people. Well, it ended up being about four times our regular attendance on a Sunday. <laughs> and stress, a Christmas stress became a whole new definition for me as a pastor because I had given this, the job, she wanted to do the job, this young lady, this young mom in the church who... Uh, her job was to, to cook all the turkeys. We were having turkey dinner. And it was, wasn't really fair because we didn't have the ovens. It was, I know Brenda's likely to say after, when I, on the way home today, why did you tell that story? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, it came out, okay, people were patient, people Almost everybody got some food. <laughs> and the drama, the little drama went well. But it started something in, in our church, a ministry, a drama ministry that ended up over, over several years, we had a great Christmas drama, full-blown uh, dinner or dessert theater on Christmas and at Easter every year. God sent someone who was, had experience with drama and and um, we ended up packing the place out four and four different um, theater events uh, every time we put on a play. We put on Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe uh, at Easter in full costume and with music every Easter for several years. And Brenda and Michelle were like hags that <laughs> made little children cry, you know. You know. But... What I want to say by that is that God had an end in mind. God had an end in mind. But he, he, he didn't keep me from going through the bumpy part of the road to get to the end. And I just want to remind us that during those times when you're faced with a bump in the road that, road that was unexpected, don't yield to the temptation that this isn't working like I expected, so God has abandoned me, he's angry with me, or myself or someone else is uh, so flawed that they couldn't, (laughs) this this isn't going to work, I just can't be successful here. When the Bible clearly promises us that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, and he is for you, he is for you, he is for you, he is for you, and he who spared not his own son will he not freely give you all things, that you do in fact have an end in mind. God has an end in mind that is a glor- glorifying Jesus in your life, and it really is going to be okay. Ebenezer Scrooge turns nice, and he's kept safe at the end. It's all going to be okay. And that is, uh, I think, the first thing I wanted to note. 
that with regard to the fact that the way to Bethlehem is a busy way, but it has a strategic, long-range plan, who is the bringing forth of Jesus. And God has a strategic plan with you and your family to bring forth Jesus in your life in the unique, customized way that he's working in and through you. So take heart. He's with you. He's for you. He's for you. He's for you. And I trust, I'm, I'm not going to change the subject on this. I, I don't know that I've ever had such a passion for a goal and a vision for you to personally experience the abundant life that Jesus has for you through intimacy with him, through serving others, and through having recreation in your life. I want to get people well to heaven. That's a line from Richard Baxter, a 17th century Puritan pastor. A pastor's role is to get people well. His purpose of spiritual leadership is to get people well to heaven. I have a goal, and it's not to, it's not to have you burn out for Christ. It's, it's to have proper balance, to have the abundant life that Jesus per- died on the cross to purchase for you and the Holy Spirit came to equip you for a life filled with inner bliss and joy and rejoicing and peace and balance, 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 balance that has a solid experience relationally with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit that is real, it's real with you and the members of the Trinity. They know you, you know them. It's raw reality between you and God in the Godhead, the Trinity, and that you, in the unique fashion that God has ordained for your personal journey to Bethlehem, your way to Bethlehem, that with you, that you live out your whole life with the joy of serving. It is more blessed to give than to receive and to live out the joy in the Holy Spirit of being led by God to generously serve others in every way, every um, setup that God has for for you. And then also that you will embrace the call of God to richly, God has given us um, all things to richly enjoy, and every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father in whom there's no variableness, no shadow of turning, that you that you obligate yourself to enjoy the good things of, of life too. There's balance in all these things. This, my friends, is the key to an abundant, happy life in God. It's the key for you to be healthy mentally. Mental health, spiritual health. This is my goal for you. My vision for New Song isn't a certain number of people or a certain success as the world would deem success. My vision for New Song Church is you. Yes, you. Sitting right where you are, I am absolutely committed. Sorry. I'm absolutely committed to to seeing you, praying you you and preaching you and 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 um con- uh, in every context that I find myself serving you into these three values that will make you a happy blissful person that's an atmosphere changer wherever you are because of the, the, um, the environment you carry of God's peace and inner joy. It's really the secret. That's my goal, and I, so you might as well embrace it as a New Year's resolution because if you don't, I'll be knocking on your door.
Okay, that's one thing I'm after in you. I'm, uh, can, I, can I share with you, just to shift gears here a little bit, something else that God is doing in your, in your personal pathway, your, your personal way, road to Bethlehem, the house of bread, is he's working in you, developing in you, changing you from glory to glory as you behold the end game, his end game in mind, Jesus. He's changing you into the image of Jesus. And there are certain verses that are my absolute favorite verses. So would you give me the Christmas present right now of letting, letting me share with you my, my three favorite verses in the whole Bible with reference to this sermon, especially. <laughs> Philippians 1.6. I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work within you will continue it all the way until the day of Christ. He's at work sovereignly in your life. He's at work. He's at work. He's at work. He's for you. He's for you. He's for you. Then Romans 8, 28. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. He's working the image, the imprint of Jesus Christ's personality in your personality. Hallelujah. I, these are key things from my pastoring with refer, and also with reference to my own self and family. And then Philippians 2, 12. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Why? For it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. I agree. Yes, there are some things we should do to work out our salvation with deep honor and respect to God. I'm going to get to that in just a moment. But it's even more important to me that God is stubborn and God is relentless. And God never fails. He, has a, he doesn't know the meaning of failure. With reference to you and to me, it's the same thing. He's not going to fail with reference to you. He is working in you. What's he doing? Look at it. I know we have a free will, but he's working in you to will. He's influencing your will, even though it's, you are freely making the choices to, to love and serve him. It's a, a will that's really, truly free. You're not a puppet, but he insists on having some influence over your free will. <laughs> I think that's what it says. Who works in you relentlessly, both to will and to do his good pleasure. Aren't you glad that God is sovereignly working in your life both to move and inspire your will and to do those things which bring pleasure and warmth to his fatherly heart? Aren't you glad that he's at work doing that, helping you? Because that's really what you want, isn't it? You want to bring pleasure to God's fatherly heart? You want to bring warmth to God's fatherly heart? Do you? The reason you do is because he put that want to in you. Isn't that a good deal? I really like that. 
Second talking point, we're going to do a shorter one here. The way to Bethlehem is a busy way with immediate short-range possibilities. The, the Magi had a long-range goal. God was going to get them to Bethlehem to worship the baby, Jesus. But at each point along the way, we can't live in the future. We can go for it. We can anticipate it. We can go after that goal of Jesus. God's end game for us, but we are bound to sequential time. We can't live in the past. We can't live in the future. We can only live in the process of time, the moment we're presently in, and that just passed. But we're in this one, and there are short-term possibilities. We are faced in God's work in our lives with moments where we choose to step, to press into God or to back off. The, the, the Magi had an opportunity. Herod and all of Jerusalem is completely neurotically upset. Do we press into the Bible promise or do we get out of Dodge? They press into the promise. They press into the star. Even when it disappeared for a while, they, they hung around and waited and hoped for it. And sure enough, that star appeared again and they went for it. The shepherds were the shepherds were told about baby Jesus being born. They just didn't back off and wait. They pressed into that promise, didn't they? They abandoned the sheep. I don't know if they got a babysitter for the sheep or what, but they, they went for it. They went after. They stepped into the promise. They have their moments, and so do we. We have a, we have a star, a scriptural promise a feeling of supernatural joy that we can either dismiss or welcome, a fellowship opportunity, worship opportunity, a prompting to, to give, a guidance moment for ministry. We have an opportunity to obey in the moment without even thinking about maybe not obeying. Just get after it as the dancing hand of God dances across our life and we, we respond in a moment to what the Spirit is saying and moving us to do. It's those moments that actually bring forth the ultimate end game, which is our destiny in Jesus Christ. And when the road does get bumpy, hold steady. Don't be preoccupied and make mountains out of molehills, negatively. Now, this little photo I planned to share long before there was a weather report on snow, but it may apply in the future. That snow photo, we have that? Can't come to work, I'm totally snowed in. I'm not saying that about today, by the way. Those of you who are staying home, Perfectly great. But sometimes in life, don't we do that? We obsess or get bothered by something that the next day we think, why was I upset about that? Then there are big challenges like what we faced yesterday. And I was so proud of different members of my family as I reflected on it. Brenda went to prayer when Chloe had that experience. Megan got called 911, Charity, and John helped baby 
girl, made sure that her tongue wasn't being swallowed or anything like that. And, and um, I prayed, and then I went out on the street, and, and uh, when the ambulance showed up in the, near, in the distance, you would have thought I was a crazy man waving them to hurry up to our house. <laughs> so everybody, Tim... David took care of the rest of the other little kids. There was, there was a surreal experience because it was like there was a little bit of a paralysis when we're faced with everything sort of in slow motion in a way. But at the same time, there was God there. There was help. And everybody did their part to do their best for baby Chloe. And we're so glad that turned out well. Mother Teresa put it this way, I do not see problems, I only see opportunities. And I want to uh, quickly conclude by sharing with you something that's vitally important for my own life and for people I care about. And I'm not going to read the scripture, but I'm going to refer to it because it's a familiar scripture and you can look at it on your own sometimes. It's in Romans 8, but it says says this, If you don't have the spirit of Christ, you're none of his. But if you are, if you do have the spirit of Christ and are his, you live by that spirit. There's supernatural life for you by that spirit. And everyone who has the spirit of Christ lives by the spirit of Christ. And this is the next part. Everyone who lives by the spirit of of Christ sets their minds on what the Spirit desires in the moment. It's inevitable. It's part of the sanctification process. It's God's work in you until the day of Christ. This is what he's doing in the long range. But it requires the short-range decision-making, friends. The long-term goals of God require the wise men, the magi, to follow the star to actually pack their bags and get the gold myrrh and frankincense and and go to to search out the scriptures. There's choice involved in the moment. One more time. No, not one more time. Let's stand up. Yeah, one more time. If you don't have the spirit of Christ, you're none of his, so you need to get good saved. If you do have the spirit of Christ, you live by the spirit of Christ. It's the only place there's life. And if you have the life of the Spirit, Romans 8 says, everyone that lives by the Spirit, Holy Spirit, sets their mind on what the Spirit desires. In the moment, there's an intuitive response. What does the Spirit desire at this moment? I don't know anybody that does that, follows it perfectly. But we can all do better at it. Put your hands on your heart. (laughs) Jesus, we praise you, God. We praise you, praise you, praise you. The way to Bethlehem is busy, but there's a long-range plan, and it's the bringing forth of Jesus. The way to Bethlehem is busy, but there's immediate short-range possibilities. So may we embrace the possibilities with a lot of fervor, joy, confidence, anticipation, expectation. 
victorious conquerors in the moment. And we say, hallelujah, here we are. 2022, bring it on. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless us, everyone.